Today's episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and to advance the community we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hey, it's Andrew. Just a couple of quick updates before we jump into this episode. We recorded early in the morning on Thursday, and now I'm editing in the evening, and some things have changed since we recorded. So the number of positive cases in Door County has risen to 29 as of my editing of this recording. So the numbers you hear in today's podcast will be different. Also, we talk at length about the lawsuit that struck down the Safer at Home order yesterday. And we speculate on the county extending a local safer at home order. Uh, and I just wanted to give the update that that is in fact what is happening. And the county is extending their safer at home order uh, locally through the 20th. So we will talk more about that in depth probably tomorrow. So without further ado, we'll jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined as always by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going all right, if a little bit confusing. How are you? I feel like I'm in the same boat. It's a weird world to wake up in today. We've got some stuff to talk about just in terms of COVID-19 updates, uh, but then we also have uh, a pretty major discussion point on the lawsuit that struck down the Safer at Home order yesterday. So uh, why don't we jump in? Maybe we can kind of gloss over this pretty quickly. Since the last time that we talked about the number of cases in Door County, the, the positive results have risen to 23 cases as of yesterday, still holding at three deaths, but uh, we are seeing a slow increase in positive tests over this week. Um, do you have anything to talk about in just general COVID-19 updates before we get into this lawsuit? Um, I don't think so. I think like with the numbers, those those are going to go up. It's almost, um, it's almost not as important for people to focus on the numbers. We'll continue to report them and they, they are an indication of things, but like the case numbers are going to rise. Right. Um, we're getting more testing. I guess there, the one thing I would say is that people do need to know that there is that free testing site down in Green Bay right now. Anybody can make an appointment, go down there and get tested. Um, I know there are still some mixed messages coming out from local officials just saying that you gotta that you shouldn't go and get tested if you don't need it. But like people are free to go down to Green Bay and what they want is more and more testing so they can see what the real prevalence of um, COVID-19 in the state is. That's really important data to have. So I, I think people should look into that Brown County testing site if they if they feel at all that they had symptoms. Right. Okay, let's jump into this lawsuit. Miles, can you walk me back kind of to the beginning of this? Give me just kind of a brief bit of background on why this lawsuit came up and the some of the major players in it. Of course, we're talking about the the lawsuit to end the safer at home order, uh, which the Wisconsin Supreme Court voted on yesterday. Well, the decision came through. It was a four three decision. A little bit of a split court. It wasn't strictly by um, party or conservative liberal lines. Um, there are five traditionally thought of as conservative justices, two liberal justices. Of those five, one of those includes Daniel Kelly, who just lost his reelection bid, but is still serving out the term. So a guy who just lost an election is, is making this decision. But it came down 4-3. Judge Hagedorn was the only conservative to vote against lifting the stay-at-home order. The Basically, the Wisconsin, the Republican legislative leaders had challenged Governor Evers' authority, uh, really Secretary, Health Secretary Andrea Palm's authority to uh, an unelected official to issue 
an order of this type. Um, that order goes through May 26th. This, the emergency powers of the governor expired on May 11th. So the legislature was pushing to lift the order early. Um, most people thought a decision was going to come down last week. It did not. There were I'm not sure exactly why it took so long. It is a very long decision to read through. Um, maybe they just spent all this time writing while everyone stayed in limbo. But as of yesterday, they lifted the order. Immediately, the Wisconsin Tavern League came out and said bars and restaurants should open. Um, and the the thing about it is, like, I in the word I've gotten from some re Republican leaders is that they expected a stay of the decision for a few days to then work out a solution. Um, that's what I had I heard. was kind of, yeah, that didn't happen. It went into effect immediately. And that's kind of led to a free-for-all. In talking to Dave Lee now last night, the Door County Board Chair, he said he had talked to Representative Kitchens and, and it basically came down to, it's up to the counties now. So we got 72 counties in Wisconsin potentially making 72 different decisions. Um, Kiwanee County could put no extension into effect. Door County could put an extension of the Safer at Home into effect. Brown County already has put an extension of Safer at Home into effect. Um, but it's going to be very different. Like somebody maybe driving up here from Milwaukee might pass through, you know, several different counties with seven different different sets of rules. Right. So, okay. So I was under the impression that there would be a stay. I believe that when they had, had been talking about it, they had said something like a six-day stay, uh, which would have put reopening somewhere around May 20th, which would have been just six days earlier than the Safer at Home order was going to expire anyway, which in my mind was like, eh, it's six days. That's like, what was all of this for if it's just for, you know, less than a week of reopening early? Uh, but if there is no stay in place, what does that actually mean for us right now? So what's the state of things right now as it, as it, turn, or as it relates to Safer at Home in Wisconsin? Well, I mean, based on what the governor was saying last night and all the evidence, I mean, it basically means we're, we're open. If, if businesses want to. Now, it's not as easy as saying that. Dane County immediately extended the order. Milwaukee, city of Milwaukee did. Um, Brown County has. Door County will discuss it this morning. Um, don't know by any means what they will decide, but they it will be a topic. And maybe by the time this podcast comes out, they will have extended the order through May 26th or decided not to one way or the other. Um, the only thing it doesn't impact is schools. The school closure does stay in effect. I guess that was one area where they decided that the governor and health department has those powers. What's been unclear and what everyone's trying to figure out is like, what, what measures do stay in place? Is it now just like recommendations? stay kind of in place, but they're not enforceable. What about local orders? Sister Bay has extended their emergency order through um, June 30th. Liberty Grove has extended theirs through June 17th. Both of those occurred before the decision. Um, those, those decisions were made largely to basically cover those towns and make sure they were still eligible for any reimbursement funds. And that wasn't the only reason, but it still, and, but it also gives them some leeway in making decisions right now. Sister Bay had actually closed its parks and enforced rules on social distancing and encouraged places to do takeout and delivery only before the state ordered this. So it's unclear if you're going to have individual municipalities passing new rules. And I guess the biggest shock to me is I, I'm, I'm actually not against measures to reopen. I've said this on the podcast. I thought retail could have opened a couple of weeks ago. I, I think maybe doing some slow openings of different sectors, I mean, is, is smart. I'm concerned about large gatherings, church gatherings where we've had a lot of outbreaks, funerals where we've had a lot of big outbreaks traced to them, um, large birthday parties and festivals. Those things I would be very leery on, but 
there is definitely a, a strong case to be made for a lot of businesses to open, but they just have been so slow in getting the guidance out. Yeah, that's and, my thing too. I mean, I, I think that the amount of time that we have been closed is an appropriate amount of time in order to figure things out. And I think that I would be much more confident in opening things up now or you know next week or that kind of thing if we had the guidelines in place from the state and federal level to be able to say like, okay, now we're going to get things moving, but we're going to do it in a safe way and people are going to be responsible about it. The, the way that we are right now, it's seem, seemingly like we're opening things up right when people are the most upset about being closed down. And I feel like that's going to lead to a surge of people going out and frequenting establishments that have just opened up. And one thing that we talked about on last week or on the last episode of the podcast was that if somebody in a business gets sick uh, with COVID-19, there'll be contact tracing to the rest of that business. And there will probably be recommendations that everybody that works for that business quarantine in order to kind of stomp out the spread of the infection. At least everybody in that business who came in direct contact. So like, let's say I work in a hotel and I clean rooms and I basically don't ever really work the front desk or interact with the front desk staff. So it doesn't automatically mean that because I work in the same building as that person and we maybe cross paths here and there that I would have to quarantine. Like it, that contact tracing doesn't work that way. It's not that kind of vague. But if I am spending a lot of time in the same room, let's say I have another housekeeper that I clean rooms with and we go through the whole place and we're spending six to eight hours um, going room to room in the same, breathing the same air and that person tests positive, I almost certainly would have to quarantine because I've spent a lot of time breathing the same air in close contact with that person. And so it's not as simple as just like, I work in the same manufacturing plant and we cross paths in the lunchroom or in the on the floor. But if I'm working right next to that person or I'm sharing lunches every single day with that person, that's a different story. Sure. Um, so I don't wanna make a blanket statement that like, yes, someone tests positive, you're gonna close. But most of these businesses in Door County are very small businesses. The, the people that help welcome millions of people to this county are people and businesses that employ two, three, four, maybe 10 people for the most part. Even some of our larger hotels maybe only have 10 to 15 employees. If, if you have 15 employees and only eight of them are coming in close physical contact with the person who got sick, I don't know how you operate. Right. That's the big thing that I wanted to get to. It's like in, in your... In like in, in, with a housekeeper, yeah, probably uh, th there might be something to say about the rooms being contaminated. But I mean, if you if you lose your entire housekeeping staff, I don't know how a hotel continues to operate, right? <laughs> yeah, so. it's tough. As a former housekeeper and <laughs> the son of a of a um, man who runs a small inn, like it, it, you're stuck. So w when you said you said in the absence of guidelines, somebody might respond. Well, wait, we have all these guidelines that came out, and we do. We do have some operational guidelines, but I know from the conversations I have with tons of business owners every day that they they still don't know what they're what they're going to do. They don't know what's going to what they have to do if somebody does test positive. Um, there are still they don't know where they're going to get the masks and equipment to open. So even though this order came down yesterday, and if it or not order, even if with the Supreme Court making that ruling, I know a lot of businesses who have no intention of opening their doors to the public for. Some who have said not for the entire summer, they are going to do takeout and delivery only. Some who say at least not until July 1st. And I shouldn't say some, I should say a lot because they don't feel safe. And now they're put in this uncomfortable situation where now it goes back on business owners. 
Business owners have been looking for leadership, whether it be local public health or state public health, to say, to give them the excuse to, to it for it not to be on them, but for them to say, like, this is a rule, don't blame me. We just haven't had anyone willing to do it other than Evers with that order. Right. The big thing that I want to stress is, like, for the people who have been calling for the order to end early because we need to get our economy back on track and we need to support small businesses and we need to get businesses open so that they can survive the summer, my hope would be that your intention is to frequent these businesses respectfully and safely because if a business opens up and it's flooded by people who aren't you know taking proper precautions and somebody at that business gets sick there's a high chance that that business then has to shut back down for you know two weeks or more so like if, if you're if your major crux has been we need to get the economy back on track we need to save small businesses we're putting small businesses at risk by opening up without all of the guidelines in place to be able to operate them safely and and we're not we're not educating people enough we don't have a plan yet for getting information to people when they come to the county when they come to hotels when they come to um uh airbnbs we're leaving that all up to the individuals and that's a lot of different messages um you know i know business owners multiple business owners in fact who who have spouses fighting cancer who have been berated by customers for wearing masks I mean, you never know the story behind, with that person behind the mask. And I just think it's, um, even if there wasn't COVID-19, some of these people might be wearing masks right now just because of own personal situations. It's pretty appalling. Right. But what the, the most stunning thing to me is, this has been going on. We've known this was, I made my first call to public health back in February to report on this um, virus. The, it really got serious in, in mid-March here. Since mid-March, if, if you're a legislator and if you're the Republican legislature, what have you been doing in the preceding two months, if not planning, if you want things to reopen, if you want to overturn this order, how do you not have a plan, at least a one-page bullet point of steps we need to take or that we advise the state and counties take ready to go as soon as that order comes out? Like I, I thought we'd be hit with a barrage of emails and tweets from legislative leadership saying, here's what we recommend. And the only thing we got was the Tavern League saying, open the doors and the leadership saying, Wisconsin's open for business. That doesn't seem like the smartest public health direction to take. And that, that was the most disappointing, like that we just don't have anything when that, that order comes or then when that decision came down. Right. So, okay. What questions do we still have in regards to this? So what, what are your burning questions right now in terms of what happens if this happens or, or what do we do if this were to occur? What are your burning questions right now? I wonder, say you've got a 50 or 60 person room hotel with a staff of 10 to 15 people that some employees on that staff test positive. They have to close. What are we doing in July if that hotel is full of guests? What happens to all those guests? <laughs> I mean, it's not like these hotels have this these massive staffs that they can quarantine half of them and come like they don't they have no money right now. They're they're broke as it is. They can't like double their staff and hire and pay people to stay home and be their quarantine staff. Um, I don't know what the the plan for that is. And forget about the big hotels. What about your bed and breakfasts that are run by a single person or a husband and wife and they get sick and that's it. They don't have staff at all. Like, I mean, at the smaller places, it, it's not like it's this massive, oh, we can't find a place for these people. But like, what's the direction for those people? What's the what's the communication process for that? I don't know of that. And and I know that the businesses don't know those answers. And I know that there are municipal board members who don't know those answers. Um, I, what I, happens? I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Quick. Um, 
were unemployment benefits and and the way that a lot of people kind of handle this early on were were those stipulations tied up with safer at home as well so like let's say a hotel does have to close for two weeks what are they doing with their employees at that time in terms of payment right um ppe loans those type of things are those still an option for businesses that have to close to quarantine over the summer like what avenues do businesses have to pay their employees and what avenues do employees have to make sure that they aren't just out of work for two weeks at a time that's a that's a big question that i don't think most businesses know the answers to like now that the stay at home order is lifted a business is in this position of saying okay i am eligible for certain loans and emergency funding if there's an emergency um many many businesses have filed insurance claims based on the safer at home they've been forced to close now that that's lifted the insurance company can just say you can open you are choosing not to open so those types of things go out the window as of today and it's i don't know that people understand like what a difficult spot that is for a business owner to be in um to be stuck in the middle of putting their employees and asking them to come in and then the employees now you have this adversarial situation with your employees it's like well i don't i don't really feel maybe they don't feel safe now granted that's safety is up to public health right <laughs> and it's not really a subjective thing on the, on the mass scale it's up to public health to tell us this but you don't have a lot of public health professionals saying yeah this is a good move open it wide up we have politicians saying that we have business leaders saying that i don't see a lot of the smart public health people saying that things should be wide open um so you have people seeing public health officials say that but then their businesses their bosses their political leaders saying the opposite that's a really tough spot to be in right what what powers does the county have so they're going to meet today to consider an extension what would that extension actually look like they could potentially extend that to may 26th i believe that's what some of the other counties have done some places have uh around the country have gone like farther than that just because locally they feel more at risk and there's some merit to that like regionally um you might say the northwoods can take other actions if they don't have a lot of cases and handle things differently i'm 100% in agreement with with measures like that. What I have a what's hard to figure out for people in Door County is like, all right, how much do we take into account Brown County? You know, that is that county line their firewall? And, you know, if the county line were just drawn a little bit differently, say like Door County extended to the bottom of the peninsula, then Door County would have 2500 cases right now. Right. But it's just a matter of like that county line was drawn 10 miles north 150 years ago. So it's the virus doesn't know that. So that's the that's the thing that you have to try and take into account on the county level and in the Kiwani County level is um, how much are we impacted by what's going on in Brown County and do we feel like we're safe enough and we have the safeguards in place and it's it's not just like for now you can't look at it as oh we have this many cases that's what we have to be prepared for you do always have to be thinking about like okay what if like in Door County what if cases doubled like in a week if we had fifty. Right. Luckily, we've, it seems like we've done a very good job and kept it low. But if that number doubles in seven days, like what is the attitude and the and everybody's approach to reopening in this county in that case? Or what if 20 of those cases came out of one small town? It's you. It's not that you have to like be paralyzed by that, but you have to be thinking about it. You have to. All those questions are not like they're not paralyzing if you know you have a plan for it. Right. What's paralyzing is the uncertainty and the lack of a plan and the lack of communication. Right. So. My last question that I have on that, uh, let's say that the county decides not to extend the order today. Uh, based on your conversations with local businesses, do you think that we'll see businesses just opening up like normal? No masks, no gloves, bringing people in, no social distancing. Do you think that we might see that this weekend? 
I'm sure you will see some bars do that that I know of. Um, maybe maybe there are some restaurants, but I I think most places in Door County are going to be cautious. I think at least in in Northern Door County, um, you're going to see a lot of restaurants stick to takeout and delivery for a little while yet, and then slowly transition and maybe do outdoor dining only um, for a little while. Nobody wants to be the guinea pig. Um, I shouldn't say nobody. Uh, there's maybe a couple of people that I've talked to who who seem to welcome that, but I know a lot that most of the ones I talk to are scared to death of opening and then having to close. Um, and they'd rather rather go slow and see <laughs> what risks other people are willing to take and find out how that goes for them. Right. Um, and I, th- I think you might just see some people just throw their hands up. <laughs> you know, there some people are really, really frustrated by the lack of togetherness and, and leadership on it. Right. Um, the, I think the, the thing is, the thing to keep in mind is that we're not going to see the effects of this decision until two weeks from now. Right. Um, a lot of science that I've seen says that the virus can live in your system up to two weeks uh, without showing any symptoms. So I don't think that even by the time people are starting to get infected because of this order, it's, it's going to be a couple weeks from now by the time they take their, their test. So we won't see a, a surge in cases tomorrow or at the end of the week or in the next week. But two weeks from now, that's probably where we're going to see what the effects of this actually were. Probably more realistically, yeah. like three weeks from now is where we'll, if there's a big spike in cases, that's when we'll actually see it. So I think that this next week is going to be really interesting to, to see what people throughout the state do, to see what the county decides today. Uh, is, is there anything else that you have, Miles, that we haven't talked about in relation to the Safer at Home order being lifted? Well, I guess... So you saw pictures last night, if you were on social media, of bars in Green Bay that opened up and no masks and full bars. The the thing about this is a look at the election. We, the election went on with in-person voting and the estimates I've seen of roughly 50 cases tied to poll workers and um, people who voted that day getting sick. It, tying that specifically to the election becomes even harder because you don't know if that's where they specifically got it or not. Maybe they just happened to have voted that day and happened to also have gotten COVID a different way. But think of the extraordinary measures that went into that to prevent infection, the plexiglass everywhere, the, the spacing at the, the polling places, the, the spacing in the lines and how slow it was to, to do everything. Um, now we have a, a potentially much more dangerous thing of saying, all right, everything's open. No, no, no rules for spacing, no, no rules for all of this. We're leaving it up to individual businesses to make their own calls. And some are going to be very strict and very smart like the polling places were some of them are going to do absolutely nothing and that's that's what that's what we're up against and that's what we'll be watching in the weeks to come i know i personally like i'm curious andrew like does this change your approach right now at all like individually your family what you will do i mean yeah we're super excited to throw our masks away and go back out to the bar tonight <laughs> well i i wanted to say too like you have to think about the human element right so if you open your bar up last night or this weekend the people that are going to come to your bar and sit shoulder to shoulder without masks on and party like it's you know last summer the people that are going to do that are the people who are probably the most likely carriers right those are the people who have been the least responsible throughout this those are the people who have have not taken this seriously because if if you see that the safer at home order is overturned and your first thought is i'm going to go party at the bar you're you're probably one of those people who hasn't been wearing a mask or hasn't been taking it seriously. So businesses that are opening up immediately with no precautions are the ones that are going to be at the most risk for spreading infection. 
right? It, it, it's just yep. if if you're opening up your business and starting to to lax regulations three four weeks from now, yeah, probably probably things are a little bit safer. You've got that three or four weeks of data to base how you want to do things on. In terms of how it's changing for us, it's not. I mean, I'm I'm still gonna wear my mask. I'm still gonna social distance. I'm still gonna work from home as much as I can. I'm gonna do everything that I can to be responsible and to not spread anything that I might have and not know about, right? Um, it doesn't change anything for me. I don't think that I'm going out to the bar anytime soon. Um, I, I would wager it probably doesn't change much for you too, Miles, right? I would say, it. it for me, it changed a lot in, in a sense that I'm going to have to lock down even more. And I've been pretty well locked down, but you know, in, in this job reporting, it's it's hard to be completely isolated. But I've got to be very careful. Like I've said before, like I, my my wife is pregnant. I want to be there when the child's born. I do not want to catch this virus from some idiot in the next three weeks and then have to face the wrath of my wife when she has to go into labor alone. So, yeah. So well. it's uh um it's it's probably even more important right now in my case to just not not even like I hate to say this, but not even trust people that I maybe have trusted before. Right. <laughs> so be, just because you don't know, like, like I went to the gas station yesterday and I saw, you know, 25 different, mostly workmen come into the gas station without masks on. And this is a gas station blanketed in plexiglass with a big chalkboard out front that says mass required and signage on the door that says mass required. And nobody's, and nobody's doing it. And I'm like, well, I am, I'm going to have to figure out a different way. <laughs> like I can't do that. Right. So, no, that is a good point. I mean, if, if anything, it'll probably change the businesses that I do frequent. Uh, if one of the grocery stores up here is is taking more preventative measures and is being safer on things and requiring masks. That's probably where I'm going to go to get my groceries. I'm not going to go to the place that, that relaxes restrictions as much because I, I know that that place is going to, to have more people coming through without masks, without taking precautions. So I'm going to go to the places that I know are taking the most precautions and that I know that the clientele there are taking precautions as well. So yeah, if, if anything, it, it is going to make me even more choosy about the places that I frequent. And I haven't gotten like takeout food that much. I've gotten some fast food a couple times throughout this whole thing, uh, but but even that is one of those things where I felt like I was rolling the dice a little bit at the beginning. There are some places that I've gone to where people are wearing masks and gloves and um, totally changed. Like there, there's one place that I went down to in Sturgeon Bay where they handed me my food on a tray. Like they just basically put my bag in a bucket and then held the bucket out so they didn't even have to touch the bag of food that I got. Right. Yeah, so, there are a lot of places taking extreme precautions like that, and and it's appreciated because you know, like, okay, there that it, it goes back to like the Van Halen <clears throat> Brown M M&M and M theory of hey, you, when you see them doing those precautions when they're giving you the food, that gives you a lot of faith in how they're doing everything else in that business. Right. Um, do you know the Brown M M&M and M thing with Van Halen? I do. Yeah, you put uh, yeah. in their contract. It was like we only want uh, or take out all of the brown M and Ms from the bowl, and then if if they came to their dressing room, they saw brown M and Ms in the bowl, they know that they didn't actually read the contract very well. Yeah. And so they, that way they knew right away that, all right, now we got to double check the sound system. We got to double check all of the electric in this building. Like we, we can't, it, when they saw that, they realized now we can't bank on them having done everything else. People thought it was a diva, diva thing, but it was really like a, a fail safe. Right. Um, that's kind of that same thing. When they're handing you the food, how do they act? 
and that'll tell you a lot about how they're acting on every other measure of it. It actually is, is a good bellwether for like how they handle all the health department stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, that's regardless too, of so, COVID. Uh, so. At least from my perspective, the the businesses that I plan on frequenting this summer are going to be the ones that I know are being responsible. Um, and I, I feel like that's a good rule of thumb for any time of the year, even when you're not, you know, looking down the barrel of a pandemic. But I think that that's going to be doubly so important. And I think that businesses are going to see that too, just in terms of, of their, their business this year. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see if like what the numbers are compared to like businesses who just open wide up versus businesses that continue to take precautions and that kind of stuff. I feel like on one hand you could say like, well, the businesses that are the more inviting are going to get the more people coming in. They're going to be doing better, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case this year. I think, I think in the short term, probably yes, they'll, they'll, they'll do well. I mean, there are a lot of people who want to get out. And if there's fewer places doing that, you know, they, there's only so many places to go that do just open up wide open. Like they're, those places will do well for a while. The question is like, will they end up with a spike and then have to close again? And what's that detrimental effect? Much like JR talked about from Chives and, and how his approach is, is like, I just don't want to be the one that opens and closes and loses another stretch and has my staff go unemployed all of a sudden. So right. there's those factors. One other, Before we go, I would say uh, encourage people to read Dave Elliott's column in this week's Perspectives piece. Um, you know, we despite all this, you know, summer's coming and, and that's what Dave's getting across, like brighter days are ahead and we just got to be responsible, stay together, be kind to each other and like we can we can snap out of this. Uh, it doesn't have to be an us versus them situation all year long. So um, that was in today's Pulse Picks. It's up online now. Um, it'll be in the paper that comes out for some people this evening, for a lot of people tomorrow in your mailboxes. Right. Well, Miles, I think that that is going to do it for us today. A lot of stuff to talk about. I know that we're just kind of scratching the surface, but we will continue to look at how things unfold. I think that the next couple of weeks are going to be really uh, probably a really interesting time for you as a journalist, just keeping track of all of this and seeing what's going on and hearing people's stories and how they are moving forward with this. So I look forward to uh, seeing what comes of this. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully people are able to, uh, in lieu of state and federal guidelines, enforce some county guidelines and some individual practices that help us weather the storm well, rather than uh, seeing the worst case scenario. I, I do have a positive outlook. I, I hope that things will go the, the way that we're hoping that they will. Um, but just stay safe, everybody. And, uh, you know, if I wouldn't change your behavior too much. If you've already been locked down and you've already been taking things seriously and wearing a mask and washing your hands and all that kind of stuff, a uh, couple more weeks of that isn't going to hurt. I would say it probably helps quite a bit in the next two weeks specifically. So um, thank you, Miles, for chatting with me. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, hopefully this isn't all uh, a, a moot point by the time we get this podcast published if, if something comes down. So right. <laughs> thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.